Amos? Oh, okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, well, I ain't sure what to say. Um, no, I thank God I'm alive. I really do. But just wanting to be normal again. Everything back where it was. I don't know what to do when I wake up every morning. There's 10 miners in there, and I can't get them out of my head. It's rough on you to know that you're the only one left. That was Boyd Holbrook in a scene from Little Accidents, the first feature film written and directed by Sarah Colangelo. And this is Artworks, the weekly podcast produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. I'm Josephine Reed. Sarah Colangelo's film, Little Accidents, which focused on the impact of a fatal coal mining accident on a small community, was an official selection at the 2014 Sundance Film Festival, where it opened to much acclaim. As the film made the international festival circuit, it continued to find appreciative audiences drawn in by a strong cast, beautiful filming, and a compelling story. Audiences and critics alike responded to it. Little Accidents was a frequent nominee for independent film awards, and it was one of the movies chosen for Film Forward. Film Forward is an initiative of the Sundance Institute and the President's Council on Arts and Humanities, along with the National Endowment for the Arts and the National Endowment for the Humanities. The goal of Film Forward is simple, to excite a new generation about the power of film to inform and entertain. And it's no wonder Little Accidents was chosen. It would be a striking film under any circumstances, but for a first feature film, it's extraordinary. With the cast that includes Elizabeth Banks, Chloe Sevigny, Josh Lucas, and Jacob Laughlin, the child actor who wowed everyone in mud. It seems all the actors were drawn to Sarah Colangelo's story. It's really a portrait of a town, and it takes place in a modern-day coal mining community in West Virginia. The story begins about six months after a terrible coal mine accident has taken place. And as a result, we follow three characters, a young man who is about 26, 27 years old, and he's the sole survivor of the accident. We follow a a 13-year-old boy who's lost his dad in the mine. And then we sort of go to the other side of the tracks to a family that is wealthy, and, and they're actually coal executives. And we look at their lives, and that was a woman, you know, who's married to a coal executive, and she's kind of dealing with a lot of the the guilt and uh, a lot of issues of who is culpable. So it really looks at three lives and uh, and really how they become intertwined after the accident. What inspired this story? Because you're not just the director, you're also the screenwriter. So what gave you the impetus to write this? Yeah, it's interesting. I get the question a lot. I grew up in a factory town, you know, not in Appalachia in Massachusetts, actually. But I think I was really interested in looking at the power dynamics of of industrial towns. And I was kind of interested in the dramatic opportunities in sort of a, a one-company town and in a story that takes place with a group of people that know each other well and that perhaps all work together. I think that was sort of interesting to me. Um, I like the fact that it could be really self-contained, 
you know, when you've imagined a sort of close-knit community, there's a lot of dramatic opportunity. And I think that was uh, sort of interesting to me. But I think, you know, at the same time, I was also wanting to explore industrial America, post-industrial America. And, you know, and I thought that the mining world was something that certainly I didn't know very much about at first. But I realized that much of America doesn't really, unfortunately, isn't really familiar with it and familiar with the beauty of the place and also the real poverty that's there and and its complete dependence on, on coal. Why did you decide to use a mining accident as the catalyst? I think, you know, early on in the writing process, I was interested in this idea of an accident or a traumatic event taking place, you know, within a town, within a community. And this is, I suppose, kind of abstract stuff, but, I, you know, I, I kind of wanted to create a story where this traumatic event has happened and we don't see it on screen, but we're watching the, the reverberations of it afterwards on a group of people. For whatever the reason, that was sort of an interesting challenge for me. And it was something that I had done previously with a completely different storyline, but I had made a short film also called Little Accidents in 2009. And, you know, it was a completely different story. It took place in in a factory town in Massachusetts, so something closer to where I was from. And it was about a young man who gets in a car accident, and of course you never see it, but he comes back to town. You know, he was off to college and was kind of off to a great career, and he's sort of relegated to, to being a factory worker back in his hometown again. And and we sort of see him interact with people that he had gone to high school with. And you really start to kind of piece together his life in looking at sort of the effects rather than the causes. And I thought that was interesting at the time, and I wanted to continue that in a future form. In both films, you look at class divide. And mm-hmm. I think that that's one of the other driving forces in, in your film. And that's something that really isn't examined a great deal. No, I mean, I, I think that's true. That's something that we're a little bit uncomfortable talking about in the United States. And we're sort of now with, with I suppose, the election coming up, we're, we're talking about it a little bit more. But we're, we're more comfortable talking about ethnicity and race and, you know, I think other categories. But somehow class gets us uncomfortable. So, yeah, it was something that I, I had definitely experienced living in a, in a factory town. And I I perhaps was on the on the right side of the tracks in the sense that, you know, I came from a family where a lot of my relatives uh, had worked in plastics factories, uh, and then they kind of made their way up. And so by the time I was born, they were in management or, or in some cases owning a factory. And so I, it was interesting for me as a kid to go to these places and to interact with, with some of the people that worked there as factory workers versus the people that worked in the office. And, and I suppose... Uh, it was something I wanted to explore. And I think while there was never any sort of tragedy in my hometown, I thought that creating this sort of fictional coal mine blast would be an interesting way to to see how people along different socioeconomic levels within this town that have different interests and are struggling in, in different ways, how, how they might interact and uh, how they may kind of cross into enemy territory. What kind of research did you do? Did you spend time in Appalachia before writing the screenplay? I didn't. I sort of came up with the conceit of it all first. And, you know, I didn't know the details yet, but I came up with a story structure. You know, I don't know what exactly I was doing at the time, but I was clearly taking something from other American films, How Green Was My Valley. I love that movie. Yeah, no, it's a great movie. I was trying to 
create this mythic American town in, in a way. So it was okay to, I think, in retrospect, do it in an abstract way first. And then as I got the story and the three characters sketched out, then I went down and I kind of filled in all the details after. But it was pretty amazing. You know, I had to early on, even before going down there, do a little research online. And one of the things I, I did do was the U.S. Labor Department actually keeps interviews with coal miners and, I mean, I think workers on all levels uh, whenever there's sort of an, an accident. And so I was able to go online and, and these things are public record. And I was able to read a lot of these interviews um, between U.S. Labor Department lawyers and people that survived coal mine accidents. So it was a, a really great way for me to figure out the idiosyncrasies of Appalachian speech. And and it was a really fantastic way to understand uh, the emotional impact of these accidents on on folks. And I mean, even in these sort of formal legal settings and these legal interviews, I was very much able to to grasp a lot of what these men were, I think, feeling after an accident of such magnitude, you know. I know that you filmed in a coal mining town in West Virginia. Tell me how you found that neighborhood. And was it difficult to find a town that would open itself up to you? You know, I I started location scouting maybe two years before shooting, and I really traveled all over West Virginia from the northern area of the state, Morgantown, kind of along the Pennsylvania border, and then really started going deeper into the southern coal fields. You know, and and the two areas are vastly different culturally, too. Folks tend to be more Catholic, and it's Polish and Italian up north and then down south, there's sort of a, a more, I don't know, Anglo-Saxon, I guess, you know, Irish. Scott-Irish, I think, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, it kind of manifested in different ways. But I was really interested in these in these southern coal fields because they were just a little more isolated. But what I did find was that due to that isolation, there was a lot more work for me to do in terms of making folks feel comfortable with with the story and and with the fact that we were going to shoot there. So it it really did take a lot of time. So I I went down numerous times before shooting. And then when we we went down for prep, which is, um, for those that don't know, it's essentially just one month of preparation before you begin shooting when you're down there and, and you're essentially looking for locations and getting all of the logisticals together. When we went down there, we had to really convince people that we weren't making an anti-coal movie. It's certainly critical at times of the coal industry, but, you know, I think we had to show the communities that we were fair-minded and that we were really ultimately making a story about human connection after a coal mine accident and that we we didn't have an anti-coal agenda. And I think a lot of these communities were used to, um, particularly documentary filmmakers coming in, and I think they felt like their communities were being ripped apart on screen. And I had to convince them that we weren't doing the same thing. I'd like to talk about the characters in the film, but I'd like to get into them by talking about the actors first. Mm-hmm. For a first feature, you have some big name actors. You have Elizabeth Banks, you have Josh Lucas, and you have Chloe Sevigny. And then you have brilliant, if lesser-known actors like Boyd Holbrook and Jacob Laughlin. How did they all get involved? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, the first person to really get involved was Boyd Holbrook. I had met him via the Sundance Directing Labs, which is a, a really fantastic program where you, you're able to workshop five scenes from the script. 
ahead of time. So we did this maybe a, a year to a year and a half before shooting. And in that program, you're able to cast for the workshop. And, and these are actors that you may or may not use for the film later on. But I had heard of, of this fellow, Boyd Holbrook, who hadn't really established himself yet as a big-name actor, but who was really hungry and really interested in, in the script for whatever the reason. And we met for coffee, and I came to realize that he's actually from coal country along the West Virginia-Kentucky border, and his dad was a coal miner for 30 years. So it was certainly a story that meant a lot to him. And it wasn't just sort of that he intellectually connected with it. I think it was something very palpable to him, and, and that was something that I... I really liked and I thought I could, you know, work with that. And he could help me, too. That's just what I was going to ask you. Yeah. If he said to you at any point, you know, actually, I think this would really work better this way. This would seem more authentic if you did that. Yeah, that, you know, that sometimes happened, and especially with um, figuring out what the what the dialect would be and what the speech would, would be like within this town. You know, there are places in West Virginia, if you kind of drive 20 miles, you'll have a small town that talks in a completely different way. So, in fact, Boyd and I kind of early on sat down and we said, okay, this is going to be the flavor of this town. This is going to be how, how people communicate, and these are the words that are going to be used. And And it was really helpful when we brought the other actors on because we really created a history of speech within the town. And how did Elizabeth Banks and Josh Lucas and Chloe Sevigny get on board? I actually think Chloe was next. She had somehow through her agency read the script and liked it, and we had a meeting, and I actually thought she wanted the role of Diane Doyle, who is the coal mine executive's wife. But she didn't, to my surprise. She wanted a a smaller role, which is um, the mother of the two boys who have lost their dad. And I was really touched by the fact that she she wanted to come on board. And I was, I was sort of humbled by the fact that she didn't really want the starring role, that she liked the project enough and felt it was a really important story to tell, that, you know, she was happy with something smaller. Um, and it was really the perfect role for her. It was somebody that I had really imagined when I was writing the script. So it was sort of a, a dream come true. I'm such a fan of hers generally. And, you know, for Elizabeth and Josh, I think a few months uh, after Chloe was on, they had read it and Elizabeth and I um, had an initial Skype meeting, and, you know, she said that her her roots are actually in drama, even though her comedy career has been pretty meteoric. You know, she said, really, my love is is drama, and I don't really get to do it much, and I'd, I'd really love to do this. I think she, she was really excited about the challenges of the role. So it, it, it worked out really well, and, and Josh was somebody that I've admired from afar, uh, so when he got involved, I was uh, equally <laughs> pleased and, and flattered. And Jacob Laughland, who was really stunning. And he's this was incredible. what his second yeah. role, he was in Mud. Yeah, he's just so special. You know, I had seen him in Mud, and, and he kind of stole the show for me uh, in Mud. Uh, I just think he he has just a, a natural quality to him. And when we went out to him, you know, he said, well, I think this is something I can do. You know, one thing that he, it was very cute, one thing that he had said to me was, well, I'm not, I'm not really comfortable playing an older brother. You know, I'm an only child, so can we maybe work on that? I'm the eldest within my family. And he said, you know, can we just have a few phone conversations and and can you just tell me what it was like? And, you know, that character as well, the character of Owen, has a younger brother who has uh, Down syndrome. And that's something that's autobiographical to, to me that I put in the script. And so we, Jacob and I worked a lot on that as well and, and what it might be like to have a, a sibling with a disability. And clearly the actor who played James has Down syndrome. 
what was that like bringing him into the cast and him working with with the other actors? It was really one of the enormous joys of the process. You know, it took us a long time to find Bo. He's from North Carolina, and, and we had done a pretty exhaustive search all over the country for a little boy. And we found him, and it was it was really fantastic. Uh, you know, he wanted to do the role, first of all. <laughs> you know, he'd be practicing his lines constantly. And, and he really loved Jacob Laughlin, and... And we really tried before shooting to have them hang out with each other and get ice cream and kind of uh, spend the day together. And they ended up becoming very good friends, and, and now their families are really close as well. So that was uh, really nice to see. How old was Bo? Bo, I believe, was uh, nine turning ten the summer that we shot. And, you know, it's always difficult to shoot with any nine-year-old. Yeah. So. But he, he was a real trooper and, like any child, you know, got distracted at moments or got overly excited at moments. But I have to say it was such a lovely process seeing how also the, the rest of the cast and crew took to him and interacted with him and, and how he really taught all of us a, a lot throughout the process. What was it like for you to work with a cast that had such a wide range of experience? Yeah, I mean, all of these actors came from quite different backgrounds. So it was a little bit of a juggling act for me. But really, you know, I see my job as a director as kind of making everyone feel comfortable and really creating an environment where everyone does their best work. So I would just ask, you know, Jacob, you know, what helps you in this situation, you know, versus, you know, Elizabeth, you know, how would you like to do it? And sometimes when when there would be a conflict, we'd sit down and say, okay, well, you know, it helps Jacob not to do many takes here. So what can we do to make this feel spontaneous but still practiced and, and thought out and focused? And and sometimes it would just be a matter of having a conversation. But I think one of the nice things with, with working with such a, an established group of actors like Elizabeth and Josh and Chloe is that they're just real pros. They get it right on the first or second take most of the time. The characters are so interesting because especially with Owen, the character played by Jacob Laughlin, and with Amos who Boyd played, it was about, do they tell the truth? And that was true for Josh, Josh Lucas's character, too. Mm-hmm. It was about, do they tell the truth? And I was just so impressed by the complications, particularly with Amos, because for him to testify may cause the mind to be shut down and people, his friends, his neighbors, to lose their jobs, whereas not to testify means the company literally gets away with murder. And he's put in this position when he's still kind of shell-shocked from the horror of the accident. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's somebody that is, I like to think of it as, a, you know, he's a reluctant hero. He really doesn't want to make a decision here because he's really caught between a rock and a hard place. And he he has all of the cards in his hand. And in a way, he is the most powerful character in terms of what he can do and what he can ruin as well within the town. And he just doesn't want to be there. And I, I suppose when I wrote that character, I thought that was kind of an interesting irony. Little Accidents, again, for a first feature, is very big in scope. Was that a challenge when you were trying to get the film made? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it certainly was. I, you know, there are moments when I kick myself now and I say, oh, why, why did I write something so big? But I think there was something kind of fun and exciting about the ambition of it and and the fact that it does try to encapsulate all sides to this town and all sides of the of this conflict within the town but it it was really challenging because there were three storylines it was in a sense triple the work we had three hero houses three cars 
there were a lot of moving parts to the project. You know, also just, you know, shooting in a, a functioning coal mine facility was incredibly difficult. And there were a lot of safety precautions that we all had to take. Uh, we all had to take actually a, a safety class in order to, to go in the mine. A, a lot of these elements that we were really juggling around, and uh, it was certainly a lot to bite off for a first feature. Well, you developed Little Accidents in a Sundance screenwriting lab. Did anybody try to say, um, and this I'm just curious about, like, Sarah, Sarah, this is your first feature, maybe not a coal mine. <laughs> what was the process like? No, I mean, and I think that was sort of what was um, tough for me is that throughout the whole Sundance Lab experience, everyone was really cheerleading the project and saying, no, it's a, it's great that you're doing something big. Embrace it. And then, of course, prior to shooting, we did have to cut scenes or you know, we did have to cut a few locations that were just really untenable and, and unrealistic. And so it was a little harder for me right before shooting to, to lose that stuff because you just tend to be really precious with all of the scenes. And in your head, they fit together so perfectly. And, and oh, no, if I take one out, does it make everything kind of collapse like a house of cards? But, but it never does. I think these are just the neuroses of, of you know, writer-directors. Little Accidents was chosen to be part of Film Forward. Can you just describe that program a little bit? Sure. Um, it's an initiative that the Sundance Institute started with a number of partners, the NEA and the President's Committee for the Arts and Humanities and the NEH, I believe. Right. And But it's a, it's a really fantastic program. It selects a number of films that debuted at the Sundance Film Festival. And we really travel around the country and all over the world, really, are able to screen the film to various audiences. And in my case, I was able to go into a number of classrooms and talk to film students as well and students that were interested in writing. And it's a really special program that tries to promote cultural dialogue through through these screenings and through these conversations. Where have you presented the film? In what parts of the country or the world? I've been to Miami, uh, I've been to Texas. I think that's it within the United States. There was a trip planned to Jordan, but it became too too unsafe to, to go. Yeah, unfortunately, but that would have been really great. I'm not sure what's next. <laughs> there may be other locations later that we may go to. What's the interaction like with the audience? Did you learn things that you hadn't expected? Yeah, I mean, it plays really differently throughout the country. I think it plays really well in, in rural areas uh, and certainly within areas that have a mining history. It played particularly well in Utah locally because there is just so much mining there. And it plays really well in Pennsylvania and in West Virginia where and in Kentucky, I suppose, where there is this culture of coal mining. But I think other places, for instance, I, I heard recently my distributors were saying that a lot of people in Florida – were buying it online, and they couldn't figure out why. The numbers were just incredibly high in Florida, um, and that was sort of funny to me. You know, I think a lot of people don't really know or understand these coal mining towns, and and it's sort of a, a subject right, right now, energy in general, that is so fraught with controversy and with incredibly strong and angry opinions. And I think it's been kind of interesting for, for audiences to see what life might be like there and what the challenges of, of these communities are. The coal mine industry does fall apart, and, it, and it's looking more and more like, like it is lately. What is the result on, on these folks that live in these places where, where coal is really the only form of employment besides Walmart? And how does it affect these, these people's lives? And how do we help Appalachia and perhaps transition to another, to another industry? 
So I, th- I think, you know, a lot of people are really interested in that conversation. And I think that, that certainly has been the most gratifying part of traveling around with the film. And tell me what's next for you. Well, on a number of projects, I am working on a, uh, a TV series that takes place actually in, in the oil fields. So looking again at American industry. And then I'm also working on an adaptation of an Israeli movie, which is pretty exciting to to actually not write something from scratch, but to be adapting it. That's been a, a really fantastic process. And then I have a few other ideas in the pipeline as well, and they're just outlines, but um, it's, it's an exciting time. You must be having the first time feature filmmaker fantasy, <laughs> because well, it has been so well received straight across the board. Well, thanks. Yeah, you know, I think it always, you know, makes me thrilled when people respond to it and and resonate with the story, especially on an emotional level. As a writer-director, you pick it apart endlessly and you wish, oh, if we had a little more money, we could have done this. And But but I'm really pleased with it. And so many people really helped me along the way. And, and that's been really the nicest part of the process, too, is that it really is a a group effort, and a lot of people put their love and time into it. It's really great. <laughs> well, good. I hope you're enjoying the moment. Well, thank you. Sarah, thank you. Well, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. That was filmmaker Sarah Colangelo. She wrote and directed Little Accidents. You've been listening to Artworks, produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. To find out how art works in communities across the country, keep checking the Artworks blog or follow us at NEA Arts on Twitter. For the National Endowment for the Arts, I'm Josephine Reed. Thanks for listening. <laughs>